Hello, welcome to Mashley at the Movies. We've made it to Christmas. Uh, every day since the 14th, we've been uh, talking about a holiday-themed film. And now we are at our last one for this year. I'm Matt. I'm Ashley. I'm Sean. And today our movie is Home Alone from 1990. Ashley, tell us about Home Alone. So Home Alone stars Macaulay Culkin as Kevin McAllister. He's an eight-year-old boy. He's part of a rather large family. that, <laughs> um, And around Christmas, I guess they're going to take this uh, trip to Europe or France. And he's not really getting along well with his uh, parents and um, siblings and cousins. And his mother ends up putting him up in the attic to sleep uh, the night before the trip. Um, the next morning, when everyone else is busy getting ready, um, he gets left behind. And so the movie kind of follows his adventures as he's home alone in this house. And eventually he has to confront some burglars who are trying to get in. That's Home Alone. What do you think about it? Well, I'll give a little bit of backstory. <laughs> just a little bit of backstory to um, Home Alone. So a friend of mine who's about 10 years older than I am um, is currently a professor at Notre Dame. And I kind of have a long standing argument about John Hughes. So I think John Hughes is one of my favorite filmmakers. I consider him an auteur. <laughs> I think he's been involved in some of my favorite movies. Now, I know he didn't direct this, but he wrote it, and he had a large hand in producing it. Um, I like Chris Columbus, the director of this. I like a lot of his films. So, And I say that as an introduction because though I defend John Hughes and I cherish most of his films... I think about the time of Home Alone in 1990 is kind of where I check out in the John Hughes uh, <laughs> uh, filmography. Oh, um, yeah. So I think at the time I was probably trying to do some 16, however old I was at the time, I was definitely too cool for school. So I thought <laughs> um, I was into like skateboarding and punk rock. So this didn't hit me like it did some people. And some people, you know, when you're a 12-year-old at the movies and you see something, and we've discussed this several times, you just, it stays with you for life. But I remember the hoopla around Home Alone, and I remember me, like, basically being a contrarian and not seeing it immediately. And then when I did see it, uh, I thought it was a little too precious for its own good. Um, that's my initial reaction. I've got more thoughts on this, but... But I'll pass it off to Matt to uh, get his thoughts before I start spewing out my thoughts. <laughs> so, you know, if you're someone of a certain age, uh, as the three of us are, or four, yeah, the three of us, um, you are familiar with Home Alone and you remember the phenomenon. Though, yeah. Yes. Now, Ashley, actually, you, I mean, not to steal your thunder, but you've never seen this movie I until escaped, now. I escaped Home Alone. Oh, and I will say, I've only seen it twice. So a Ashley's beat me, <laughs> but I've only seen this twice. Well, I don't remember how many times I've seen it. It is so, I think through osmosis, it's so much in my psyche, mm. uh, again, just from the time, um, that I'm very, very familiar with it. I mean, scenes from it have been repeated oftentimes in mm -hmm. pop culture the last mm. 30 years. Yeah. Um, but I, maybe, maybe I only saw it once before this. I don't know. Um, I, I don't even know if I saw it at the theater. I really don't remember. I was trying to remember that as well. I can't remember if I saw it at the theater. I don't even think I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, what I remember was liking it when I saw it and being kind of caught up. And it's weird, Sean, because I'm a contrarian too. <laughs> but I, 
I think that's developed a little more over over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, back then, I was still young and pure enough that, that I, <laughs> I kind of went along with like the fact that everybody in my sphere seemed to just love this movie. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I love it too. <laughs> um, and yeah, no, it, it's funny though, rewatching it again. It's been a while since mm-hmm. I've seen it. Rewatching it again from start to finish uh, lately, uh, I quite admired it. And I thought to myself, yeah, I can totally see why this was a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was reminded of that. Now, that being said, I mean, it's preposterous. Uh, it's very broad. Um, it's fairy tale like um, But, I mean, I think that's one of the reasons people like it. Um, and it's weird. It, it has people being mean to each other, but it also has people being good to each other. Um, you know, John Candy has a... Mm. kind of pops up in this movie. Yeah. And his whole thing is... He's a, a polka... <laughs> he has a polka troupe, and he is—he's uh, a polka king of the Midwest, yes. actually. And he and his group are traveling to—is um, it Milwaukee or somewhere in Wisconsin? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so Chicago's along the way yeah. from where they're at. And so he gives Catherine O'Hara a ride, and it's—it's—it's it's, it's filled with lovely little moments like that, mm-hmm. uh, along with very Three Stooge-like um, hijinks with Macaulay Culkin and then Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern, who are mm-hmm. playing the burglars trying to steal. You know, rip off their house and stuff. Right. Um, so yeah, yeah. So as you alluded, I I have not seen this movie until this week when we were preparing for this podcast. And I must say that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was like I thought I was going to be the bad boy coming in. I I'm blown away by that. <laughs> I will say my my contrarian streak started early because <laughs> I at the time this movie came out I had I was subscribed to uh, Entertainment Weekly and I read it religiously every week and I remember them talking about this movie all the time and I remember it was number one at the box office forever and I was just like nope not gonna see it and and I didn't and I hadn't until this week and um I I enjoyed it it's a fun movie um it's interesting to me I, I was talking with Sean earlier when you you know over the years I've seen clips from this movie and it's always clips of him fighting the burglars, right? Yeah. Um, that's slapstick um, kind of live-action cartoon part that happens at the end. That's a very small part of the movie. Um, I actually preferred the other part of the movie better when it's just him being alone in the house and you know, kind of having to be a little more adult and ordering his own pizza and going to the supermarket himself and you know, just enjoying being alone. Um, I like that part better. Um, but, oh, yeah, overall, I think uh, it was enjoyable. I'm glad I finally saw it. Yeah. Macaulay Culkin was a cute kid. Oh, yeah. And a talented kid. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I was actually, more so than anything on this recent rewatch, I was just blown away by how good he was. Um, yeah. Yeah, kind of a, you know, the looking back, no no, no shade on him, because, you know, he was, he was a bona fide movie star there for a while, but... Yes, very small window though of mm-hmm. fame. Yeah. I mean, his 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 he was an Uncle Buck the year before this, which I think was kind of his breakthrough. Mm-hmm. Then he did this. He did the Home Alone two thing, which I saw and I think it made money, but I wasn't on board with it because I'm like, like I said earlier, this is a preposterous movie with a preposterous scenario, and I I was I rolled with it for one movie. Yeah, but I'm like, no, not yet. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, he. He did the movie where he was like killed by bees, right, or something. Mm-hmm. My girl, my girl. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, things kind of started to 
go down a little bit, um, which I think I don't think he deserved that. I think he's, he's talented enough that he should have had a much longer career. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Well, one of the things I did like about this movie is it's a very uh, Hughesian universe, isn't it? Like the entire uh, Chicago suburbs, the family, the side characters is very felt very John Hughes to me, and I, that that's what I liked the most about it. Um, I really, really like Catherine O'Hara. Like I've liked her since her SCTV days. I, I like her a lot. I think she was great in the movie. Um, John Hurd, I'm a, I said I can take him or leave him in this. I thought he was a little off, a little weird. Um, you know, Pesci, Pesci and Daniel Stern were great at what they did, which is basically, you know, it it it, it amounts to kind of Three Stooges style um, physical comedy. What I couldn't really get past on the second viewing was kind of Culkin himself. <laughs> oh wow! And I feel like. John Hughes and Chris Columbus, while they were making this, were probably just like wringing their hands, like this kid is so cute. And wait until <laughs> I bet you they, I bet you they circled scenes that they knew would the audience would just eat it up, like the <laughs> scream and the. I just and at the time I was just I was an angry teen, and at the time I, I and that I I vividly remember like even watching rewatching it th- this time I was just kind of cringing at him like I. Don't like this kid, man. I just don't like the kid. <laughs> I, and I like Macaulay Culkin, now. I, I, and I think he was good. Enough. I just didn't like him in this. I thought he was too precious, too clever. I mean, he's almost like I love Bugs Bunny, but Bugs Bunny is always smart. You know how smarmy Bugs Bunny was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was never going to get it, and you knew the kid was never going to get it. Obviously, <laughs> um, I just couldn't get past Culkin, and and, and he is definitely like a. I mean, it's a whiz bang performance. It made him a worldwide star, um, but I just. I don't know. It's just I just couldn't get past that. Now, it wasn't enough to make me give the, the movie a thumbs down or anything because I, I did like it. I mean, it's well made. Um, the you know, the, like you said, the the situation's preposterous and even more preposterous are like the traps that he sets with like an hour, to, an hour to go, <laughs> and he draws this elaborate map of it and stuff. But I thought that that was funny, and I had the same thought, Ashley. You, when I think back on it, you really do think like, oh well, it's 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 Culkin versus um, Pesci and Stern, but really, that's what twenty probably twenty minutes of the movie is that. I mean, Pesci and Stern are there, kind of on the outskirts of the film from the beginning, but it's a little disorienting because it cuts between like Europe and Catherine O'Hara and John Hurd and the family, and then the burglars, and then you've got the old man next door and you've got Kevin out shopping. There's a lot going on yeah. beyond um, just, you know, him taking on the burglars. But um, I can't help but get that Hughes feeling from it. So I, I liked that about the movie, but I didn't, yeah, I just didn't, it's, it's tough to, it's <laughs> tough to sell me on a movie when I don't like the, the kid that's, yeah. It's funny. Like you mentioned, you mentioned that Sean, because it's, I feel like there's certain things I, I shouldn't like this movie just given who I am, but uh, and what I typically roll my eyes at. Yeah, I mean the, the scenes where he's running around and he's like just screaming around. He's screaming as he runs around the house and he runs right up to the camera. Yeah, and <laughs> even when I was rewatching it this time, half of me, actually seventy five percent of me, was like. Oh, this is just adorable. <laughs> and then the other 25% was like, you're only saying that because of nostalgia. Like if this were like a brand new movie, you would be rolling, your, eye, your eyes would roll into the back of your head. Um, well, so I, I like lip syncing the songs, which is always like, 
I always feel like that's a director go-to. Like, have a little kid lip-sync a song. That'll be great. <laughs> and he does that like a, he does that a couple times, like lip-sync stuff a couple times in it, and I'm, I was not having it, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know why it, it works for me. Um, I had totally, until I rewatched it again, I totally forgot about the subplot with Robert's Blossom, who's the old man that was next mm-hmm. door, named Marley, because yeah. I guess we need to be <laughs> connecting to the Christmas Carol. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's a whole subplot with him. The kids think he's a scary old man, but then it turns out he's got, you know, some some angst in his life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that worked beautifully for me. Yeah. Uh, I, I, and John Williams, I think, does a score for this movie. And it's a John Williams score that's, I think, it works quite well. Uh, and, and there were moments in this movie where the music would swell. Mm-hmm. And I knew for a split second, I'm like, you're being manipulated. <laughs> but then I would quickly take over and be like, yes, but this is awesome. And I love it. <laughs> um, you know what? Go ahead. I was going to say, you know what I forgot? Like, and like I said, I'd only say, but I forgot, like, when Mitch Murphy comes across the street, I'm like, what is this kid doing in the movie? Like, <laughs> But then, like, you can really blame the whole movie on Mitch Murphy, right? Mm-hmm. Because I was like, how do they, you know, I'd forgotten everything. and But then he gets, I mean, so that I was actually like, damn, it's Mitch Murphy's fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, the only thing I will ding this movie on, and I, I don't know why this stands out to me, I guess, more than anything. But maybe maybe we become a little more aware of things in the world the last 30 years. But um, this, is very, this is very much a male-centric movie. Mm-hmm. There's, like, seriously, two s- prominent female adult characters in here. It's it's Kevin's aunt, mm-hmm. who is kind of a simpering yeah. whatever, and then his mom, by Catherine O'Hara. Yeah. And then that's it. I mean, yeah. aside from a few secondary, minor, minor secondary characters, it's, like, all men. Yeah. And I, I noticed that, and I uh, it doesn't prevent me from loving the movie, but I did sort of think to myself, huh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I think um, the movie, if, you know, we're talking about it on Christmas. I think it has a real good Christmas vibe to it. It right. feels very festive. Um, I love the, the the quieter scenes, the the scene in the church with the old man. I thought that's a very very special scene. Um, so yeah, as a Christmas movie, I think it works. Um, I also love Catherine O'Hara, mm-hmm. and I really wished that she was in it more. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really hoping when, you know, she finally makes it home, I was looking forward to a really wonderful scene between her and Macaulay Culkin, multiple scenes maybe. Um, but you know, they don't really get to have that. The rest of the family shows up and, yeah, boy, I really don't like the rest of the family. I mean, I, I think Macaulay Culkin, I think Kevin is too nice to them when they get back because... Yeah, they're pretty horrible to him. But you didn't like Buzz, the older brother. <laughs> no, he's awful. Well, I thought that, you know, the setup at the very beginning of the movie, everyone's just awful to him, and I don't feel like he deserves it. I I wish they were worse to him. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't think Kevin got what was coming to him. I wanted Pesci to bite one of his fingers off like he grabs I was like, just give me one digit. <laughs> I thought it was cool that I mean, John Hughes is always very aware of the music in his films and like you know what his characters. I thought it was cool that the brother had uh, brother had the Ice Tea poster in the room oh, yes. and uh, he had like Johnny Rotten sticker. In his <laughs> so I thought that was cool. Um, you know, and I love John Candy, and I'll take him where I can get him. But did he? Feel, I mean, it, it felt a little shoehorned. Yeah, a little. in there. Yeah. And he's only. It's like Matt. You said he's in it 
very briefly enough to where I'd read that um, they didn't write any lines for him. He ad libbed it all, which is, I mean, and, and he's he perfect, like great, you know, and always always brings his A game. And I thought he was very good in this, but he just felt a little like, oh wait, there's John Candy. This is a John Hughes movie, and yeah. I was trying to think. It's funny you mentioned. Uh, speaking of that, you talk about how this is kind of when you start to check out. Um, John Hughes's big run was obviously in the early to mid '80s, mm-hmm. uh, and then you know he did he did uh, write this movie. But um, I actually liked speaking of John Hughes and John Candy. I, I really liked the movie that came out the year after this, which uh, starred John Candy and was produced by John Hughes, which is Only the Lonely. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite movies, actually, uh, on a certain level. Uh, but yeah, I mean, John Hughes is kind of petering out at this point, unfortunately. Uh, afterward, after this, I think. Well, it's funny. I remember seeing Only the Lonely at the theater. Like, I definitely saw that one at the theater. Mm-hmm. I was a Hughes guy, but it's interesting that you said that. I mean, I can't remember whether I did or did not see this at the theater. I mean, I, I would assume I did not, but yeah, I don't know. Um, I feel like I must have. Again, I have no memory of it, but I feel like I, I know I saw it Obama, and I and I... I mean, I was so caught up in the the, the, this, the the phenomenon that this was. Yeah. Well, I remember all my cousins that were younger than me, you know, I'm talking, if I was 15 or 16, they would have been 7 or 8. I mm-hmm. mean, they were just mad about this movie. I just remember, you know, always doing, like, the Culkin imitation, like, screaming, <laughs> holding the face. And that might be one reason I'm you know, just, like, tired <laughs> of seeing kids at that time do it. Yeah. Um and I sound like I don't like the movie, but I mean, I did, you know, it's kind of, the, you, the movie's got a huge likability factor to it. It's not that I didn't like it, but you know, I don't know. I feel like I'm trying to be too contrarian. It's just, I <laughs> No, I understand. Real quick, before we, we, we ring out uh, this, this episode, can, can we talk about the house? And, and the oh, fact that, yeah. you know, that's something actually, again, those of us of a certain age who grew up uh, during the time this movie was out, maybe didn't give a lot of thought to the house mm-hmm. that McAllister's live in. But as adults, I mean, it's a thing now. Yeah. Where we're like, well, what exactly did Kevin's dad do? Absolutely. That's exactly <laughs> what I thought when I rewatched it was, what does this guy do? I do? You do think that, though. You're like, what is his job, man? Like, what is... Yeah. yeah. I mean, first of all, a trip to Paris with that many people yeah. ain't cheap. Yeah, you start doing this weird adult math when you see movies. You really do, and that's a great point. Because I was thinking the same thing, not only about the house, but the trip, too. You're like, oh, they're, so they're going to all go to Paris over the holidays. I got you, man. Yeah. Well, and even they're like, Kevin, you're going to go sleep in the attic. Well, the attic's like fully functional. Yes. Like, it's cool. I was like, man, that'd be cool. Like, I was actually like, dang, I think I have an attic. I don't even have... Like, I think there's one that I can get to from my garage. But, maybe I, but I mean, it's that cool oh yeah you know? i mean they act like the attic's punishment but yeah I, I saw that attic and i'm yeah. like oh that would be my room <laughs> yeah exactly man i know no that's a great point <laughs> and i'm a little confused about who all lives there i mean it's yeah. kevin his parents and his older brother right yeah i couldn't tell who's who really who just belongs to who you know that bothered me in the whole movie <laughs> i hated not knowing who were his siblings and who were his cousins i didn't and... really know that either yeah it was confusing but then i also thought what does Marley do to live in that? He's an old dude. And yeah. What did he do? Because he also lives in the, the neighborhood appeared to be affluent, right? And mm-hmm. It's a Chicago neighborhood. So it's a Chicago suburb. Yeah. You they filmed it in Winnetka, yeah. Yeah. So you got to think that like 
the houses are expensive. And then you got Marley next door. Like, what did he do? Because he, I mean, it's kind of, they kind of presented him, they tried to present him as ominous, but they kind of presented him as like bummy, not to, I don't know if that's, but then he's really not, and I don't know. Yeah. My, my theory is that they own a department store. I'm trying to explain why they have so many mannequins in the basement. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whenever Pesci and Stern are like seeing the show, I'm like, what is going on here? I will say, too, that as someone who's lived in Illinois their whole life and grew up, you know, two hours south of Chicago and was very, I mean, I'm not into sports per se, but you can't have lived in Illinois two hours south of Chicago and not been caught up in the Bulls yeah. uh, during the 90s. Yeah. To see like that Michael Jordan cut yeah. out, I was like, that, I was like, oh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And Hughes is good about that. Always like sneaking. Ferris Bueller's at the Cub game, always sneaking like little mm-hmm. Chicago teams, and but then I always you you know you always notice that in Ferris Bueller that Cameron's in the Red Wings, mm-hmm. and I was always like, what? Well, he you know that's <laughs> tale for another time. But Cameron's not wearing a Blackhawks jersey, kind of bugged me, but anyway. <laughs> no, um, I also love this is a quick aside, but the, at one point Kevin goes to try to see Santa, but they're closing up stuff. But like that little <laughs> Santa hut. In the middle, I guess probably downtown Winnetka. Oh, yeah, like that is a super affluent Santa. Yeah, thing yeah. there. That's a that's a great setup. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They don't have that like here. No, no. <laughs> it's not like that here. So, um, no, uh, I. Yeah, that's Home Alone. Um, Ashley, what would you give it out of ten? I'm going to give it a seven and a half. Well, okay, that's higher than I was expecting. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, Sean. <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm gonna. Get, I mean, I know this will sound weird after the whole tirade I went about. I mean, I'm gonna give it. I'll probably give it a seven. Okay, um, I give it a nine. So <laughs> our score is a seven point eight. I guess I did that math right. This seems kind of low, but um, yeah, uh, seven point eight uh, from us. And it is on the tomato meter. It has you know it has a sixty five percent from critics. Well, you know, and I was reading, and I can't remember what critic said it, but, you know, they were like, oh, you know, it's just, it's all about punishing adults, especially when Kevin, Kevin takes his revenge on, and I'm thinking, like, I, what? Like, why as a critic would you, I mean, that's your review of Home Alone. You know, talk about being out of touch, but, yeah. yeah. anyway. Yeah, and uh, audience score, 80%. I'm a little surprised the audience score is not higher than that, but, um, you know... People reevaluate movies sometimes over yeah, years, right? True. Um, and this one was so popular. Maybe there's a bit of a even. I, mean, I don't know. Three decades later, it seems a little late, but maybe there's a bit of a, you know, because seriously, people who get super caught up in movies at the time like to backtrack and pretend they didn't. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, that happened with Titanic. Um, if you were to like listen to a lot of people talk now, you wouldn't know how Titanic made like six hundred million dollars <laughs> at the box office. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> They do that, and it's funny, critics will do that. I was, music critics will do that too. I was uh, listening to Boy with the Arab Strap, like Bell and Sebastian. It might mm-hmm. have been their second, right? Is it their second record? Yeah, it's early on, yeah. But I was reading, you know, I was wiki in it, and they listed, like, Pitchfork had two reviews. At the time, Pitchfork gave it, out of a five, Pitchfork gave it a point eight. And I'm like, that can't be right. And I, <laughs> and I went back and reread it, and they hated it. And now Pitchfork give it like a four out of five. And huh. <laughs> yeah, it's the, it's that like, you know, that revisionism. But yeah, they hated it at the time. And I'm thinking, I don't know, it's probably my favorite one of their... Anyway, that's <laughs> off track. But yeah, sometimes time is kind to things. Sometimes 
Titanic is the one that comes to mind. When I saw it, I, you know, I did, I definitely enjoyed it, but then you try to pretend, I try to pretend I don't. (laughs) (laughs) My brother calls me out on it all the time. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, um, Merry Christmas, everybody. It's been a strange uh, year and even maybe a strange holiday season, but we're still back with our 12 days of Christmas. So uh, hopefully they've been enjoyable. And uh, thank you again, Sean, for joining us yet again. Thanks for having me. I love it. Yeah. And all right. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thanks for listening. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.